What's up? This is Mark Lopes from Metal Church of Rasta Boss Band. Let us pray. And you're listening to Aftershocks TV. And for, don't forget to keep it fucking metal. Yeah. All right. Welcome again, everybody, to another episode here of Aftershocks TV. Right here on the CMS Network, Matt and Tom, we're back with you. Tom, what's happening, bud? How's uh, your new year off to? Good start so far? Yes, sir. I mean, God, listen, I, I, I loved um, looking forward to it and, and uh, you know, drinking too much and eating too much and going to bed too late and getting up too late, whatever. So I had a week of kind of nonsense, but I said, you know what, enough already. I'm just a creature of habit. I was happy to get back. Uh, I'm going to be complaining a day from now about being back on, but... <laughs> I'm happy to be just back to normal. Had an awesome Christmas period and New Year's and so on and so forth. So what about you, buddy? What was what what's happened with you? Yeah, say with me, man. You know, I got a couple of weeks off here. Um, it's been nice. Like you said, really, you know, having a week or so with family mm -hmm. in town, all that good stuff. Uh, but but I'm like you, I'm a creature of habit. Even if I have a day or two where I'm just hanging with people oh, yeah. and I'm not working on this stuff or other things, I get a little I get a little lost, you know, I get a little uh, like irritated in a way, you know <laughs> what I mean? Because like same thing, creature of habit. But with the good thing is this week now I've got, you know, it's it's just me and I'm just, you know, I, I don't have a lot going on, which is great. So I can kind of get everything up to speed here with aftershocks and you know, and, and all this stuff for the, um, the the network and everything we're doing here yep. to start the show off. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, we're doing this. We're recording this during the daytime. I normally can't do that. So it's it's been nice. I, I, I got to say, I do miss being working from home. You know, I did a little bit over the pandemic. But at the same sure. time, you know, it, you know how it is. It's like it's good, but it's not good. I like also being out and about, all that good stuff. So, um, but it's been good. Like I said, having a good couple of weeks off and yeah, enjoying the last few days here. And, uh, you know, and obviously thinking about, you know, the new year, I mean, first thing we've got to also talk about, we're going to get into later in the in the show here is talking about our albums of the year yes, for sir. 2023. A lot of great new albums, but I, had to, I mean, it was a tough decision. I don't know about you, but it was tough to come up with five records. I, I couldn't. Well, first of all, we had to come up with five. So I did come up with five, but I do have some honorable mentions. So not in mm. order, but there's no way could I not mention, you know, when I get to them, I have them right there. But um, but my, you'll find when you get to my one, so you got to watch for that. Mine are very, they're all over the place. They're within the metal rock genre, but it's it's mm. all over the place. It'll go from X to, to A and so on. So yeah, I, I I'm looking forward to jumping into that. Fantastic, awesome. Yeah, you know, in this, you know, in this episode is going to be a little bit on the heavier side. Uh, looks like, and you know, it wasn't like we planned it that way. It just nope. sort of came about that way. We are going to be uh, our interview this week. We're going to be interviewing a really cool dual metal band from Alabama called Ember. Uh, they had just put out a great mm -hmm. record, their first self-titled release. They've had a bunch of EPs over the years, and we're going to talk to. Uh, talk to uh, the band and, and really see what they're up to and just kind of give everyone a little taste of what they're about. A really good band everyone should check out. You know, first thing I want to talk to, Tom, I was, uh, as we do for the for the, for Aftershocks, you know, every week, every day, really, I get a lot of press releases, right, from, from all these mm -hmm. rock and metal bands, established bands, underground bands, all that good stuff. And... I think one of the reasons why this episode is kind of going to be a little on the heavier side is because, you know, after going through these these press releases and the the, the amount of them that I do, because I really love listening to new bands and music, so I kind of yeah. go through as many of them as I can. 
but um, I, I'm coming across a lot of these bands, these heavy rock, you know, maybe classic metal, stone or doom, you know, whatever it is. Newer bands, I'm seeing a lot of them that have sort of that Sabbathy tinge sound, maybe some blues, you know, sound to them. They're really coming on here with a lot of these harsher vocals, which is interesting. <laughs> you know, some death and, and black metal vocals on top of like just Sabbathy bloom, uh, excuse me, Sabbathy blues, riddled, you know, riddled riffs. And I mean, I really like it. At first, I got to say, though, it took me a second when I was hearing some of these bands. I'm like, I'm not. I'm. I'm anticipating a different style of vocals that mm -hmm. tend to come in after you know introducing the music and the beginning of the songs and so forth. But I'm just hearing a lot of these harsher vocals on it. First, it took me by surprise. I was kind of. I would say it was put off, but I was just sort of like, okay, this is different. And after listening to a few of these bands, I'm really digging it, man. I really am. It's. It's not something that's a brand new trend or anything, but it's definitely a, a bit different and unusual to see this amount of bands doing it. I, I you know, I mean how it is. A lot of there's a mm. lot of fans in that genre that are sort of purist. They don't really like a lot of harsh vocals. So some some of these fans of that music are, are, might be a bit put off because of that. But and then I'll get into a discussion we're gonna talk about in terms of blending genres and all that mm. stuff. Uh but I mean I, I want and we'll take a look at a, a band or two. Uh, we'll, we'll watch a video or a track or two just to give an example of what I'm talking about here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, have you come across any any bands recently you've heard? Yeah. That? Okay. I have because we we were you know chitching about this and you know when you look at the first of all there's a few things going to happen here. Anybody who's not a black or death metal fan are going to go right. That's it. I'm, I'm out because. Even if the music is stellar, they hear the vocals of the cookie cutter or the cookie monster, or mm. they hear the um, like the screamo type, you know, black, whatever, kind of go, okay, I'm out. So no matter how good the music is, you're out just because of the vocals. Mm -hmm. but, yep. And that's fine. If you don't like it, you don't like it. There's nothing wrong with that. But some of it, some of it I'm not going to be a say I'm a huge fan of, but there is one band, and we'll talk about that in just a second, a band called Black Ryle who I think are really good. And that took mm -hmm. me by surprise. And I'm more of a, I do love death metal as a genre. Black metal, I like less so. Death is more of my, is my genre if I had to pick one. But, you know, I, I, and I think what it is, is that even looking up some of the, um, some of the reviews and I wrote some of it down. I said, one of the, some this band from Finland, Black Riot, I just saw a review and it said, they're a mix between Orange Goblin, Entombed, and Crowbar. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. probably about right, you know, with the vocals Absolutely. on top. And then the other band we're going to talk about, Slaughter, I think they're called. Mm -hmm. That sounds like um, kind of like Doomy Metal with Danny Filth singing over the top. Mm -hmm. So yep. it's, it's very different. And they're two different bands, too. I do have a preference yeah. for one. We'll be talking in just a minute. But it's an interesting, uh, I don't like calling it genre, subgenre. I don't know what it is. It's just a band doing what they do. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's up to you or I, anybody else, to go, yeah, I'm thinking that, or holy shit, I'm out, I can't take it. Mm -hmm. No, and that's a good point. Like you said, it's. I think a lot of times it's, it's always that discussion of, oh, stoner mixed with doom, mixed with this, mixed. I mean, yeah. it's just like enough already. You really just say, hey, it's a metal slash heavy hard rock band, right. you know, with just a bunch of, you know, their own influences. It doesn't matter right. where it comes from. And that, you know, a lot of that, obviously, I think, you know, and this is something I'd love to get your, obviously, your take on, mm -hmm. that we see here a lot in, in the States. You know, I mean, just growing up here, 
being a part of scenes over the years, you know, uh, you know, whether I, when I was growing up going to shows or when I have my label or just be doing all the, the journalism and the shows we do for the network and everything, you know, here in the States, people are so, I, I think preoccupied with scenes and with specific genres, mm. you know? So if you, like, like I was just kind of giving you an example before, I know there's a lot of people that just, I know in general, they love, you know, stoner and doom stuff. But once you get, you put in some harsher vocals and you take out the clean stuff. Ah, oh, it's too heavy for yeah, me. That's a little away, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, everyone just steps away. You know, from it. It doesn't matter. Everyone likes it. really here because of the scenes they have. Right, a lot of that's social. A lot of that's fashion. And so, if you're bringing in something that's a little outside of that, a lot of fans tend to go. Oh, they back off from that. Like, even right. if they do like it, they don't want to admit it. Sometimes, um, they just it's just everyone kind of gets in their corners and they like it there and they stay there. You know, whereas from what I've noticed over the years, just from, you know, reading or just talking to people and so forth, especially, like I said, with a lot of a lot of uh, heavy rock and metal music fans from the UK and from Europe is it doesn't bother them. You know, like we were talking a little bit about me. We were mm. going back. Forth, I was saying to you, we were emailing and texting and it was like, yeah, you there was no problem. If you see a, a bill, especially a festival, you know, obviously overseas that has say i mean they could have it anywhere from poison to deicide right. you know i mean and it's no big deal or lita ford you know on the stage with slayer no big deal you know i mean it, it, it seems like fans are in, in the uk and in europe aren't really it's not a big deal if you're like yeah i love deicide but yes i also love vixen i mean it, it, it's not a big deal we're no. here if, if you told people that oh no way i can't no you can't be you're crazy so, I mean, have you noticed that yourself since living in the States, how different yeah. that is? Okay. Well, well, I can remember when uh, Richie and I, and I'm going to talk about Richie all the time because he's a buddy of mine. Focus sure, on yeah. that. Check it out, everybody. Great podcast. But remember, I mean, Bob was on, and Bob wanted to hear about, like, a European perspective growing. Obviously, you know, Bob is a big European fan, and they love him and all that. But he wanted to hear our perspectives. Mm. And I think what it was, if you even take all the – take all the genres of music going back to the late seventies, just call it dinosaur rock, right? Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and all that. And they kind of then hair metal, then New Album came in, then hair metal came in and then grunge came in and then new wave of American heavy metal came in and then black death came in, whatever. I never jumped genres. I, I was mm. listening to Dokken and I was listening to Cinderella and mm. then Pearl Jam came along and went, Oh, what the fuck are these guys? These are pretty good. And I just kept listening to the other stuff. So I never switched genres because mm -hmm. like grunge came in and it just killed the wingers of the world of Dokken and, yep. you know, bullet boys and what, and some of them deserve to die. Let's be quite yeah, I agree. Yeah. Come on. Um, True. Geez, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't, first of all, I don't know if I can mention some bands in case we get them on for future shows, but um, you know, but some of them <laughs> just, just needed to go away. Right. Quite frankly, it got, got stupid. It's right? stale and stupid. Yes. Oh, my God. It was just, yeah, whatever. But but then conversely, um, I never um, stopped listening. To, I still love 80s metal. And I'm a I'm not a huge grunge fan, but the bands in there I really, really do like. I'm still listening to them today. I think a lot of people in the US, and this is my perspective, looking in from the outside, you know, going back to the early 90s, is that, well, I guess Cinderella are not cool anymore. So what's cool? Right, we're going to listen to those. Fuck you, Cinderella. Pearl Jam t-shirt goes on. And I never mm. I never got that mentality. Good, You like it or you don't like it. You don't have to follow trends. Mm -hmm. But I think um, I think another reason is, is that obviously the U.S. is one country, right? Obviously, you know, West Coast and East Coast, New York versus L.A., 
different beasts, but it's mm -hmm. still the US, right? So still mm -hmm. culturally the same, you know, kind of mannerisms the same, likes the same pretty much. Whereas in Europe, Europe is has a population roughly of the US, whatever it is, 320 million, I don't know. Mm. But if you have a festival in Germany, first of all, so you're dealing with different countries. So, But if you have a festival in Germany, you're going to have somebody coming in from Austria. You're going to have someone coming over from Belgium. You're going to have someone coming down from Holland. You're going to have someone coming across from Poland. So they've all, and then Poland is a big kind of death black metal scene. Germany mm -hmm. is very thrash metal, whatever. So when you have a big Wacken or whatever those festivals are, even up in Scandinavia, Rock Am Ring, I think, is that the one up in Scandinavia? Mm -hmm. um, but so you've got people, you've got like 50,000, 100,000 people, and they're probably represented by 15 countries. So 15 countries have different cultures, different styles, and then and they're just bringing it all together. That's where you're seeing their perceived kind of eclectic, you know, um, Judas Priest, and then you'll have Behemoth on the one gig or something like that, mm -hmm. which at Saxon, like Saxon are stalwarts on the rock, on the, on the um, uh, scene over in Europe, not mm -hmm. selling out arenas, but they're, they're headlining festivals and um, very often are right up there, right up at Amanda Marth and, and, you know, um, Behemoth, like I said, I saw Behemoth recently, incredible band, mm -hmm. um, uh, incredible, but, um, is it Nurgle or Nurgle? I never put it. I never, I never, <laughs> yeah, Nurgle. I think it's Nurgle. Uh, Nurgle. Right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, but and I think that's some of the reasons why is just that there's a European, and then the Europeans are not as fickle. Again, I don't mean to be disrespectful to anybody. I live in the US, by the way, but they're not as mm -hmm. fickle. They're not as trend yeah. conscious as, exactly. as Americans, and they just mm -hmm. you like it, you don't like, it. and I think that's probably why those European festivals even today are ongoing. Super quick on that. I just looked this up recently. There's a festival in Italy uh, taking place in mid-July uh, or June, whatever, and they have the two-day festival. Um, Bruce Dickinson headlines day one. Get this for a lineup. Bruce Dickinson, The Darkness, Stradivarius, uh, Timo something or other, mm -hmm. Talakai or something, um, Micah Monroe, which he's from Finland, mm -hmm. and Richie mm -hmm. Kotzen. Richie Kotzen is on, is on a festival the winery dogs are, here, are barely playing to 500 people. I saw them twice actually last couple of years. Awesome. And yeah. then on day two, same festival, Emperor, Cavaliera, um, Dark Tranquility, Moonspell, and Flesh God Apocalypse, whoever mm -hmm. they are. They're obviously a death metal band. So yeah. that's not so this is not a discussion about something that's happened a couple of years ago. There's two days on one metal scene. There you go. Totally different. Yeah. No, you're right. Rich, uh, Richie Cotson. I mean, exactly. He's more of like a like a not, rock blues, you know, guy. I know. And he's playing all these death metal bands. And that's exactly what, you know, going to what we were saying about, you know, and one of the things too, that I've, you know, just from talking, it's interesting a few years ago, uh, well, more than a few years ago now, but I remember talking to the guy, uh, Joe and you know, from Orange Goblin, the guitarist mm -hmm. from Orange Goblin. And when I went to see them and my wife was asking him, Oh, what's, you know, just like asking like the difference between the, the crowds, you know, between sure. uh, UK and, and the States you know, automatically, I said, "Oh, hon, you know, the UK and Europe, hands down, is, is a lot, you know, better." And he was like, "Well, you know, not necessarily." I mean, I, I was telling him, I think he was just trying to be nice to me, but you know, but one of the things that we've heard from a lot of, you know, by him and, and a lot of just, you know, musicians, really musicians from the states, they'll tell you this. I mean, I've asked this a million times, especially for the bands here that are bigger. I mean, there's so many bands here in the states that are much. I mean, they have a huge fan base in Europe and have virtually sure. nothing here. Right. And a lot of what they say is because when you are a fan in Europe, for one, you're a fan for life. That's right. People will go and see you well into the 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever it is, if they liked you growing up. I mean, they're a fan for life, you know? And I could just tell just, you know, even from talking with you and just 
some of the people that, that I am friends with from overseas, you could see that. I mean, whatever they grew up with these bands when they were like teenagers and they're still going to see them well in the 40s and 50s. And that's the difference, I think, between here and in the, the States, obviously, here a lot different because it is more like trendy. It's more like, well, yeah, I used to listen to that music when I was this age. They, they just, I don't know what it is. It's just people tend to, tr you know, have trends. But yeah. once, like, but also, they're just more closed-minded when it comes to rock and metal. I mean, you just see so many rock and metal fans that just get stuck into like this, you know, the 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 good old years of the, you know, their their golden, whatever you want to call it, their heyday when they were younger. They mm -hmm. love that type of music, and they just don't get into anything else as time goes on. They listen to it. Ah, it's not my thing. It's not my thing. They're just a little bit more. It's lazy, but I think it's also lazy. You're not prepared to give it a shot. It's like putting on serious and just you just want to hear either the I same agree songs with you. or the type. Of, and I think there's laziness involved. It's not giving it, not giving a band a shot or explore or walk your dogs and just immerse yourself in a song or two. And then if you don't like it, you go, nah, it's not for me. Great. You gave it a shot. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But I think too, I think too, um, Matt, there's something that kind of you touched on about the bands themselves didn't give do themselves any favors. And I'm going to give an example that if you take a band like like a Dokken or a Motley or whoever, right? They're the easy ones, like the Rats, mm -hmm. whatever. They didn't do a whole lot of touring outside of Europe, outside outside of the US. Yes, like that was their main point. market. You know, Rat were selling two, three million units, and Dokken were one to two, whatever it was. So they just said, well, fuck it, we don't need to go anywhere else. So then when, when grunge came in and, and kicked their ass, they know where to go because they didn't build that following overseas. Now let's go, let's go the opposite side of that. Look at Bon Jovi. Whether you like him or not, that's irrelevant. And I do like some Bon Jovi, but um Bon Jovi cons I saw Bon Jovi 14, 15 times over the years because they they, they when they went on a tour, they went on a obviously they were a bigger band, I get it, and they had the memes and whatever, but they never didn't tour Europe. Um, I saw them on, on from the Slippery Tour right up to three, four years ago, whatever it was. Uh, and but their pre, their latest album is a pile of dog shit, by the way. The twenty twenty, whatever it's called. <laughs> um, as a fan, I say that. But um, yeah. anyway, but my point is, is that they had this huge base overseas. So when grunge hit in ninety ninety one or whatever, Bon Jovi's obviously their stock went down in the U.S. Even though they could probably fill an arena. They were still doing arenas and, and stadiums all over the world because oh, they yeah. never forgot those fans because they had good management. They had someone like John Bon Jovi. I've read stories about him where he was so driven and he was clever and he was smart, whereas a lot of the other bands never had a fan base. Take Cinderella as an example. They were platinum arena selling band over a year. They were selling clubs in the in the UK because they maybe did a tour every five years. I saw Cinderella mm. at Donington, I think, in 86 or 87, and they were the opening band. In 86 87 was night songs were selling two million copies in the us they just mm -hmm. they never gave the european or the world market any attention and then when they needed it the europeans and everybody else said well fuck you because you never came over here and that's what you know, it's, yeah that is a great point you know and you're right a lot of those 80s bands you know the hair metal bands whatever you want to call them you're right listen a lot of those bands they didn't even they they didn't leave la no. a lot of those bands they no. just played locally got signed because of you know just being around locally and sure. fans liking them maybe a, a, a tour here or there in the u.s but yeah i mean they you're right they did i mean that was the days of mtv right so mtv just you yeah you to. said you didn't need to you didn't need to tour nope. but you great point as you brought up about i mean bon jovi's a great point i remember being uh god around 2000 i think it was around seven i was actually overseas in indonesia hmm. huge there 
I remember when that, that uh, Have a Nice Day, whatever that song was. I remember just watching. That thing was on the TV just all the time. Every hour they were playing that song. With, that the, with the exception of, of the um, Slippery Tour, I, saw, I actually saw them two nights in a row. So I'm on the first. And they used to always start in Ireland because Ireland geographically is the first country you jump to. So we mm. saw them pretty much on the opening night of every single tour. And I went to see them two nights in a row. And I was living two hours away. Like I had to do a two-hour round trip, four-hour round trip two days in a row, but that was slippery. And they were playing to, I think the, the, it was called the Pine Theater in Dublin, maybe 7,000, whatever it was. But I, I don't think I saw him. I've never seen him not play a stadium in Ireland. And that's 50,000 mm. people. And Ireland's a small country. Sure, 50, yeah. 50,000 people. They were playing to in the 90s. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, great, great management by them to keep, like you said, keep, that's how they were able to not just survive, but even strive. Keep going over and over. Once Grunge came in and knocked that out. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Yeah. You're right. Like you said, those hair metal bands, those 80s bands out of LA or so forth, they just didn't tour overseas, like you no, said. So that's a shot. What they used to do sometimes, I used to read Koran religiously, and they do a, they do like a UK tour and they mm -hmm. play the marquee in London, famous, obviously famous in, in mm -hmm. Hammersmith, I think it is. And then they play maybe a gig in Scotland, a gig in Wales, and maybe one in Dublin. That was our Irish and English tour, like four dates. I mean, come on, people, you know, whatever. And then yeah. they, they didn't do enough of that. It's like if you don't do something, you know, if there's no repetition in what you do, it just doesn't happen. And they didn't need to. They were selling a million copies in the US and they were probably playing a nice handy seven or 10,000 people a night thinking the gravy train will never stop. And it did stop and they died. Mm -hmm. 